Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Pegasus Radio. In today's episode, we have the sixth instalment of Global Stories. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Sharon Malt. Sharon lives in France, but works in Geneva, Switzerland. And so she gives us quite a unique understanding of what is happening in terms of life in France, but also how it's affecting life and work in Switzerland. I hope you find this one interesting. Okay, let's dive in. Well, hello, Sharon. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Sharon, do you want to just maybe tell the listeners a bit about yourself in terms of your background, how you ended up in France, stroke Switzerland, you know, your, your, your journey there, and then a bit about the company you're currently working for? My story, yeah. Um, well, I, I'll go back a bit, but I graduated from Leeds University um, a, long, a long while now uh, with a degree in electronic engineering and okay. actually, actually became a software engineer. Right. And after after a few years, I decided that that wasn't really for me. And I looked at I had a really good, a really big interest in construction and looked at the careers that, you know, you could do around construction, architecture, engineering and then surveying effectively fell upon surveying and then undertook a uh, an, an MSc with the uh, College of Estate Management and Reading University and did, a, did an MSc while I was working for a company in Berry called uh, Pauldick Associates. Mm-hmm. They were really, really supportive. I uh, had loads of really, really great training with them. Excellent, excellent experience. Started working in residential, affordable housing, etc. And I had a really great opportunity as a quantity surveyor to be able to actually do employer's agent, contract administrator, etc., etc. But there became a time um, a couple of years later that I, I wanted some broader experience. So mm-hmm. I moved I moved companies and worked for Davis Langdon okay, yeah. uh, in Manchester for several years. And then during the recession, I moved down to London and had some amazing experiences on some, some really big projects down there, really big, challenging projects. But obviously, as, as many people know, ACOM came on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I worked for Acom for a couple more years and then t- took the move and worked for Turner and Townsend again in London, mm-hmm. uh, working on some really really great projects, really exciting projects in the in the cultural sector. But there was a time when my partner, who's French, this this is the French bit and how how I've effectively uh, ended up here, yeah. uh, was had an opportunity to move over here to Switzerland, and we debated it. But I thought I thought it was a really, really good opportunity to experience something different, et cetera. So about five years ago, I, I moved over to, to Switzerland and got a job three, four years ago with Knight Frank, mm-hmm. who were over here with their building consultancy team. So in terms of a little bit about Knight Frank, obviously they're they're more known for their real estate as real estate consultants. Yeah. But they do have a building consultancy team in London fairly large one with project managers, cost managers, building surveyors, etc. And I, I think around eight, nine years ago, a small team of them were brought out to Geneva to work on a really, really big quarters office building out here. Okay. And of course, you know, the, the, the life in Switzerland is very different than London. Yes. And we attempted to stay. And so they've effectively set up a, a, a business over here. And we have a small building consultancy team with cost consultants, building surveyors, and, and project managers here. And we tend to work with mostly with international clients. Okay. And that, that works really, really well with what we offer in terms of 
uh, best practice, RICS, et cetera, et cetera. And we're starting to also work with some of the, the local developers and, and, uh, and clients as well. So yeah, it's really, uh, really interesting, really different. And is the QS job the same? In Switzerland, or is it, how does it vary, I guess? Good, good question. No, it's not the same. Okay. It's, it's really different. Um, they, have a, they have a very different setup here, probably looking back into to the UK a long, long time ago, before my time as a surveyor, I'm afraid. Um, and effectively, the architect takes on the role of architecture, project manager, and quantity surveyor, if you like. But it's not the same role. Uh, it's, it's not, for me, it's not so involved. Right. Which you would understand because a lot of the, the focus is on design. Yes. Uh, and so no, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold the same the same involvement in terms of uh, project management and cost management from what I understand. So so yeah, as a RITS quantity surveyor, not many people in Switzerland know what they are or I what it imagine, is. Yes. But of course the international clients do. And, yes. and they look specifically for that best practice. Okay. So uh, that's that's why it works quite well here because it's it's still, albeit Switzerland, it is an international uh, country. There's a lot of international yeah. people here, yeah. a lot of international companies. So. And do yeah. some of those international clients engage you as we would assume a cost margin would be engaged, or, or is it all still very much led by the architects, even in that case? A, a little bit of a little bit of both. Right. Uh, for the most part project management and cost management as we know it mm -hmm. we do a lot of project monitoring right yeah so so the in some cases the architect will take their traditional swiss role yeah with the, the management and the, the cost management but then we will offer the the oversight effectively okay uh, which works really really well and we also can offer the the, the two languages as well so yes. we can yes. communicate in, in english if necessary to you know the us or the UK, etc. Um, yeah. So it, it gives us that extra ability to do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So switching on to, I, I guess the, I guess the coronavirus and how it's affected life for you, and obviously quite interesting that you you live in France but work in Switzerland. What, what's your take on how it's affected life? I guess in both countries, day to day. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit complicated with living. Uh, in France and working in Switzerland, and they yeah. obviously they both have <laughs> both countries have different a different take on it. Starting in France because that's where I live, the the country effectively closed down, went into confinement on the seventeenth of March, which right. was a bit before the UK, but it, it's fairly aligned, frankly, okay. from my monitoring of the three countries. And effectively, the rule here is that we we stay at home unless absolutely necessary for work. So obviously key workers, et cetera, can do their job. Or if we can't work from the office, uh, oh, sorry, oh, can't work from home, but it's very, very much limited to essential trips. So we yes. can go to the supermarket. Uh, we can go out to exercise or take a walk for an hour maximum um, within one kil kilometer of our, of our home. Obviously, everything's pretty much shut down, bar the essentials, so cafes, restaurants, uh, all shops, etc. Uh, it's all it's all shut down. Yeah. And to add that, it's very much it's quite strict. So we do have to fill in a form every time we want to to leave, and the, there are there are police that are kind of roaming around checking. Right. Okay. Um, but uh, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. In terms of Switzerland, not dissimilar. Everything had shut down. 
schools, etc., in both countries, of, of course. But that the confinement wasn't so confined; it wasn't so strict. Okay. So that people could leave a little bit more like the UK. The the the, the guidance is you stay at home. Yes. But you could leave, and there are people still working in offices, etc. Right. Okay. Um, obviously, in both countries, there's the social distancing, hygiene, masks are being worn, etc. So, yeah. And is there any indication in both countries about what, you know when any of those anything is going to be lifted, schools going back, etc.? Is there any of that being stated yeah. yet? Yeah. So in Switzerland, this happened this week. All right. In that the shops have now reopened, and the schools will reopen on the 11th of May. Right. Okay. And there's there's sort of a phased opening in Switzerland in that sort of theatres and and event spaces, et cetera, will open later on. I think that's in June. I think that might be the 8th of June. Okay. Subject to how the virus propagates or doesn't effectively. So they're they're obviously watching the numbers and making decisions as they go. But at the first phase of deconfinement started this week. In France, we are confined definitely until the 11th of May. And the prime, the French Prime Minister yesterday announced the method that we may become deconfined in the okay. future. Um, so it's sort of fresh news, really. Mm. So effectively, they're after the on the 11th of May, they are planning to open the, the schools, not right. not universities, but the the schools. Uh, but only if the number of cases of the virus drops below 3,000 a day. So they have actually set a, a, a limit to, to, that can be watched. The shops will reopen, but not cafes or restaurants. They're going to increase massively testing. Uh, they're talking about 700,000 tests a day. Right. Seems huge. Yes. So they're really going to monitor the public. Uh, masks will be recommended. Yeah, so it, it really depends. It also depends on the area of France that you live in. So the departments, very much like counties in the okay. UK, um, they're going to be labelled green or red. And if you're a red, I think the, the deconfinement is going to be a lot more strict. So I, I don't know. We don't know what that means yet. If you're a green, then I think that, that it will be eased somewhat. And I presume and that's I, dictated by major cities. Yeah, I think so. Well, it, the, the virus started very heavily in France, north of Paris. So it wasn't actually Paris, it was the north of Paris. I think it's moved into Paris by the very nature of, of the city. Yeah. And it's quite, uh, it's quite bad in the, the east of France as well. Okay. So, so that area is particularly bad up in the north, north and east. And we're not so bad down here by Geneva. But again, there's, there's cases everywhere. So we're, we're waiting. We're waiting to see the map and whether red or green will be in your uh, department or not. See what happens. But, okay. Okay. Yeah. Watch and see, to be honest. And so how has, how has it affected the construction industry specifically? I guess I guess in Switzerland, um, you're probably more so, familiar yeah, with. Yeah, in, Switz- in Switzerland itself, first thing that, that really happened was... and. It's difficult to know because there was a national a national shutdown, but a lot of the rules are very much canton driven. If you think of states or counties, right. So, for example, in Geneva, one of the first things was that the construction sites were shut down. But a couple of weeks later, they were officially reopened again. But what 
with the restrictions put in place, the social distancing, the need for hygiene on construction sites, I think you've probably got something really, really similar happening in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, it actually made it incredibly difficult for sites to reopen. So as of last week, uh, I'll be honest, I haven't heard of any any new sites opening this week. As of last week, there's not a whole lot of construction sites reopened, even with that rule. I imagine some of the smaller ones, yeah. the big construction sites are really going to struggle. So, so obviously that's, that's going to have had a huge impact on construction. Uh, another thing we're seeing, understandably, is the permitting or the planning process uh, is very much slowed down right. administratively. People are working from home. I don't think they necessarily have had the systems in place in order to continue working at the speed that they're normally able to. So I think that's going to have a really big impact on programs, project programs. And we'll have to see now that the restrictions are being lifted in Switzerland, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly some of those come, come back online effectively. So, yeah, I think and, and of course, any delays is going to impact the costs. So that's that's going to have a, uh, an issue. And we'll, I think we'll start to see that coming into play, unfortunately. Yeah. And what in terms of materials, where, where does Switzerland get a lot of materials from? So really, really bizarrely, obviously, I've interviewed people now all around the world. And the one place that seems to be a real issue is Italy, <laughs> because a lot of the kind of higher end finishes come from Italy. And literally that's speaking to people in Canada, Australia, all over the place, um, where they're still relying on Italy as, as one of the sources of a lot of the kind of high end finished materials. Yeah, I think that's probably true of, of Switzerland as well. Although they do, they do have a lot of production in Switzerland and they do tend to, they, I, f I found that they tend to really want to use Swiss products. Yeah. Um, okay. More so than, than any other country or, or certainly some of the European countries. Uh, but I'm sure that they will they will suffer from materials with restrictions from other countries as well. Yeah, it's not something that we're immediately seeing, but I'm sure it will inevitably have a have an impact. I think certainly something we've got to learn in the UK is that we need to become more resilient with our supply chain and manufacturing because it's now becoming pretty evident. And that's not only in terms of construction materials, but things like PPE equipment for for you know nurses and doctors. We just don't have enough suppliers actually who manufacture in the UK. So yeah. certainly, you know, will that lead to whole scale change in terms of more of an attitude, hopefully led by the government, to say, you know, we should manufacture more things in the UK and expect a higher percentage of materials, whatever it may be, coming from the UK market to to give that resilience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 a problem with a lot of the manufacturing in the UK, mm. um, and, and I think Switzerland itself is quite self-contained. You know, it, it it doesn't have the same markets that perhaps we're used to in the UK. So, for example, just on simple living, there's there's not a huge a huge competition in terms of supermarkets. Right. But they don't. They they uh, they monitor the prices. It's it's very it's very much it's very much a self-contained country. Okay. And I think uh, it will probably hold up fairly strong. I know that in the, and I wasn't here, I wasn't in Switzerland in the, the recession, obviously I was in the, the last recession, 2008, uh, I was in London, but my understanding is that it, it wasn't, although impacted, it wasn't as impacted as most of the rest of the world. It doesn't have a lot of national debt. And I think it, it uh, yeah, it controls its, its currency in it and its economy well so yeah we'll we'll have to see if that's the that, that's the case 
Yeah, yeah, going forward. And I guess I, I always close, Sharon, by asking people what their best guess is as to when normality will arrive and, and what normality will look like going forward. What's your, what's your thoughts on that in, in both France and Switzerland? Yeah, really, really difficult question. I don't mm. think uh, there will be the normal that we, that we had before, mm. certainly. Um, I think, and, and I hope not. Yes. I think... This has been a, a horrific and, and continues to be a horrific health crisis mm. that what we can take, we need to take positives from. We need to find the positives in this and we need to, we need to move forward with those. So we need to really, really analyze the way that we work, mm. um, the way that we live and take, and take the things that we've learned from this, yeah, this time effectively yes uh, we yes. need to look at some of the things that, i mean before all this the sustainability agenda was was really high and i think it's been really really interesting to see um how you know we see the maps um of the emissions etc and how that's understandably fundamentally changed yes. in the last yes. of month or month and a half and albeit i mean we all can't stay in our homes forevermore that's certainly a lesson that we, we really need to take forward i think um the new normal uh when it does come back we need to be considering you know mobility how we deal with transport i don't think everybody's going to want to pile into public transport for example no. etc so there needs to be we need to take this and and fast track some of those ideas that, that have been floating around for a long time Flexible working, you know, this has demonstrated that we can all work flexibly mm -hmm. and not everyone wants to work from home. Not everyone can work from home. Uh, not every industry, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not promoting every, every uh, industry, but I do think that there, there is a advantage to thinking a bit more long-term in terms of what will our office spaces look like? What will our schools look like, et cetera? And be thinking beyond the deconfinement phase, because obviously yes. a, lot, a lot of companies at the moment are thinking, how do I bring the staff back? I watched, uh, I watched the French news just at the uh, lunchtime and there was two companies, small, small companies in France. And one was thinking, okay, well, we have the two meter rule. Uh, we we need to make sure that the staff are, are, are safe, etc. So we're going to put in place phased working, or some people work from home a bit. And there was another company that was thinking, well, for the health of the employees and collaboration, etc. Yes, we need to we need to start thinking about bringing people back. But actually, for the next few weeks, maybe longer, maybe after this, we're gonna we're gonna look at flexible working. We're gonna look at working from home so i think it's very much dependent on the the, the company and and the industry mm. i think we need to be thinking longer longer term about what our what our lives will look like and taking this as a an opportunity agreed really so let's see how uh, how the next few uh, weeks and months mm. i think certainly in most major cities you take london as an example you know, even if you look at the whole of the UK, London, I think, will take a long time before we see people back in offices because logically people cannot safely get into work and social distance on the on the tube or the buses or the trains. It just won't happen. So until yeah. until we we really have flattened that curve and there's very few cases, I, I can't see London opening up for some time to come yet. Yeah, I think you're right. 
in France, they were talking about masks. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to make them compulsory, but they have made the statement that they have enough masks for everyone okay. and they will expect people to be wearing them. So, for example, if you go to if you go on public transport, it mm. will be compulsory. Right. So. So, yeah, there are there are things that they can they can put in place to, mm. to ease that, to get people back to work. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, having worked in London for, for a long time. Yes. The tubes are busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, the reality is, I think we'll move into a society where we have a blended work, where we're where, where maybe the offices are not as full, and maybe you know you can choose what days you work, or maybe you're dictated what days you can work from the office, so that so that we you know minimise uh, the risk commuting. Yeah, I think I think office spaces need to change mm. uh, as a result of this, really. And and I don't obviously I don't have the, the answer to what they're going to look like, but. Um, we have projects at the moment that where where they're in train and they they will continue. But the clients are now thinking, hold on, I've I've just done a test fit. I've got I've got you know a desk per person. There isn't two meters between them. What do I do? What's mm. what's going to be the future? And and there's some some rethinking going on. Sure. I think I think human nature makes us want to collaborate um you know for the most part so perhaps uh, yeah perhaps the the desk situation will change fundamentally and we might move towards a lot more collaboration space but then we need to think about what that might look like Mm. Uh, yeah yeah it's 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 going to be a it's going to be an interesting time sure sure definitely Lovely. Well, Sharon, really grateful for your time. Thank you for giving us that perspective of life in, in France and Switzerland. I hope you found it useful as well. And um, yeah, thanks for being part of this little episode of, of getting the various global stories from around the world. Yep, no problem. Thank you very much. No problem at all. Have a good day. Uh...